morning and thanks for listening in to When I Rise. We are on Monday, start of a new week, September the 23rd. Uh, and according to the lectionary, we're in year C, proper 21, or the 16th Sunday after Pentecost. And today's Old Testament text for the week is Jeremiah chapter 32, the first three verses, and then verses 6 through 15. So we'll read those verses, I'll give a short reflection, and then we'll spend some time praying on those themes. Let's all pray together this morning. Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 1 through 3 and 6 through 15. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah king of Judah, which is the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. The army of the king of Babylon was then besieging Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was confined in the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace of Judah. Now Zedekiah king of Judah had imprisoned him there, saying, Why do you prophesy as you do? You say, this is what the Lord says. I'm about to give this city into the hands of the king of Babylon, and he will capture it. Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of Shalom, your uncle is going to come to you and say, Buy my field at Anathoth, because as nearest relative it is your right and duty to buy it. Then just as the Lord had said, my cousin Hanamel came to me in the courtyard of the guard and said, Buy my field at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin, since it is your right to redeem it, possess it, buy it for yourself. I knew that this is the word of the Lord, so I brought the, bought the field at Anathoth for my cousin Hanamel, and weighed out for him seventeen shekels of silver. I signed and sealed the deed, had it witnessed, and weighed out the silver on scales. I took the deed of purchase, the sealed copy containing the terms and conditions, as well as the unsealed copy. And I gave this deed to Baruch, son of Narah, the son of Meshiah, in the presence of my cousin Hanamel, and the witnesses who had signed the deed, and all the Jews sitting in the courtyard of the guard. In their presence I gave Baruch these instructions. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Take these documents, both the sealed and unsealed copies of the deed of purchase, and put them in a clay jar so that they will last a long time. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. This is the word of God. Here are a couple thoughts from Jeremiah chapter 32. So all along in Jeremiah's long prophetic book, there is this suggestion, this warning from the very beginning that because Israel has turned away from its God, Judah has turned away from its God, uh, that the Babylonian Empire will come and to, um, God will allow it uh, to destroy Jerusalem. And so this uh, seems to be kind of uh, hinted at in the beginning. It seems certain as we make our way through the book. And uh, in the, this uh, passage in Jeremiah 32 all the way through 34, the siege of Jerusalem is going to take place. And this took place about 588 B.C., and it's uh, one of the watershed moments of the Old Testament. Uh, perhaps the interesting thing about this passage is how peculiar it is. Uh, Jeremiah, on the one hand, is announcing the destruction of Jerusalem. And he's sure about this. And this wasn't something that people took kindly to, of course, um, speaking doom upon their homeland. But isn't it peculiar that after declaring and prophesying that it would come to destruction, 
that he fulfills his familial obligation to go ahead and buy fields and to have uh, you know the deed notarized and put in a clay pot and secured so that when the time came for them to return back to their land, he could have the land again. And so there's this interesting dilemma here. You think that if uh, Jeremiah totally believed in the destruction of Jerusalem, that he wouldn't uh, buy fields because it's going to be destroyed. What's the use of buying such a field? Uh, but this interesting complexity is something that um, I find um, rather endearing about Jeremiah. And perhaps it's a model of faithfulness for us too. Uh, Jeremiah's honest, but he's also... Um, He's also hopeful. Uh, he has this word that certainly uh, Jerusalem will be destroyed, and those are the moments leading up uh, to his word here. Uh, but he is—he's uh, confident that God's going to bring them back. And later in the uh, book of Jeremiah, I'm oh, sorry, a little bit earlier in Jeremiah, um, Jeremiah prophesied it'd be 70 years of time, a couple generations that they'd be away, and so uh, Jeremiah may not even be able to. Uh, fully take this property on his own, but may has to pass it down to the next of kin. But nevertheless, he shows hope, and I think that's important for us. I think sometimes in religion we tend to um, either be um, completely encouraging uh, and maybe naive, or maybe just a little too doomsday and not very hopeful. Uh, Jeremiah seems to uh, have both, and we see this in his calling in this first chapter, where Jeremiah is called to uproot and to tear down, but he's also called to build and to plant. And perhaps that is the algebra of the faithful. Sure, we have to speak against those things which are challenging, uh, but also to hang in there and to love the world around us, um, even though we might uh, be set against it in some way. We see this in the early church. Uh, they were... Um, you know, they, would, they spoke against the Roman Empire, but they lived in the Roman Empire and they took care of not just the Christian poor, but also uh, the Roman poor. Um, and so we see again that uh, the Christian witness is in the world. It speaks against the world, uh, but it's also for the world and for the common good. Uh, it's not that we're schizophrenic, uh, but we just have this interesting paradox in the Christian faith is that uh, the message that we have received comes not from this world, but it is certainly for this world, as N.T. Wright has said. So perhaps we could um, spend some time praying for the world around us, love the world around us, and offer up prayers that God would uh, take up the world around us. So let's turn to a time of prayer this morning. God, as our soul rises up to meet you this morning, uh, we come before you with hearts filled with gratitude. We are grateful to be in your family that you saw fit before the foundations of the world to include us into this matchless plan, this rich grace that we find uniquely in Jesus Christ. And so we thank you that you've called us out of darkness and into light, a marvelous light um, where we can experience all the fullness, all the spectrum of what it means to have life within you. God, we, we uh, understand this is a place of in our posture for prayer because we do pray for the world around us. God, we're uh, honest about the world around us, that there are many different issues and they're complex. The fracturing of our communities around us, the fracturing deep within each and every one of us as human beings is deep and it goes all the way down, as the ancients used to say. And so, God, we are acknowledging that the world around us um, points away from you. Um, because uh, in some ways it does not reflect who you are. But this is still the world, and as your word says, the earth will be full of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so, God, we know that you are taking up this world, that you've taken us up and you've redeemed us and you're redeeming the world around us. 
you're the God of creation, that you're the God who loves creation, that you've installed your son as the king over all the nations of this world. And so, God, we know that you love this world. So we choose to love this world this day. We don't turn a blind eye away from it. We don't scoff at the world around us. Um, but we invest, just like Jeremiah invested in what would be, what is what will soon to be a destructed territory. He understood and he knew with hope that people would come back, they'd develop it again. And so he wanted to make an advanced deposit into that, guaranteeing that inheritance. And so, God, we do the same thing. We um, we build and we plant, not just tear down and overthrow. So, God, with our speech today, I pray that you would help us to build up. I pray with our actions today that we would build. I pray that with our uh, the way that we organize people and the way that we do our work and the way um, that we make space for others to flourish among us, that it would all be signs pointing beyond this world and towards you, and that there would be hope that would arise all around us and that people uh, would know the rich grace that we find in Jesus Christ because of it. And so, God, we thank you for the resurrection. Uh, we thank you that you raised your son back into a body. You put him back into this world, that same world that crucified him. So we know that you're not done with this world yet. So God, send us as the body of Christ, the people of believers into this world. And may we take it up as you have taken it up. And may we uh, point to you in the midst of it. And so God, we pray for this day ahead of us. That you would draw all people to yourself. That there would be a change in the atmosphere in our city. That there would be a holy longing. That there would be a spiritual eagerness that bathes our communities. That wisdom would cry aloud in the streets would raise her voice in the marketplaces, that there would be healing, that there would be restoration, that the ancient foundations that have been covered over and forgotten would be brought back up again, that you'd restore them, and that you'd build uh, koinonia and the people of God, the community of God, the body of Christ among us. And so God, we pray that you'd use all of us, that you'd use each of our gifts, that you'd use each of our enthusiasm, that you'd use our imaginations, that you'd use our creativity, and that you'd cause beauty um, to be come out of the ashes around us today. So we pray that we would lift high your name, that we would bless and affirm that there would be no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, that we'd be healers and restorers as you are the healer and the restorer. So God, use our lives today. Allow us to have enthusiasm and hope as we walk these streets, as we minister among the people that you call us to today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.